You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. When you look at the news and you hear what's going on, you realize very quickly that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is closer than ever before. As a pastor, my heart is to make sure that the body of Christ is ready for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For us to be ready, we should get back to the basics. And I want to minister this morning a message entitled, Let's Get Back to the Basics. I could have entitled this very easily, Non-Negotiables. Turn to the person next to you and say, there are certain non-negotiables in the Bible. I'm talking to Christians this morning. There are certain non-negotiables for you as a Christian. I could have very easily have called the sermon topic this morning even what God requires. But I've entitled it, Let's Get Back to the Basics. Oftentimes, we want to change the gospel to suit us instead of allowing the gospel to change us. If we want to look at what God requires of us, or what are the non-negotiables in the Word of God, or to get back to the basics, we have to look at the life that the Lord Jesus Christ lived on this earth. Turn to the person next to you, say there are certain non-negotiables. Family, if you say that you're a Christian, I'm talking to Christians here this morning. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, verse 42, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus prayed and he asked the Father to change the outcome of what he knew what was going to happen. But he said, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Jesus lived a surrendered life. Jesus lived a life that was surrendered to the will and the plans of God for his life. I'm going to take the next two weeks to discuss Eight points, according to the Word of God, that refers to being surrendered. And this week, I'm only going to start with the first three, and next week we'll finish. So, I want to encourage you not only to come and listen today, but make sure that you're here next week. Because if you apply these principles, and you surrender your life in the following areas... I can guarantee you, according to the Word of God, that you will finish strong. It's not how we start, but it's how we finish. And Jesus has given us a few guidelines when it comes to that. Turn with me in your Bibles to Jonah. So the first question I have to ask you, are you surrendered to God? Turn to the person next to you and ask them, are you surrendered to God? Ask them again. Say, are you surrendered to God? Sometimes we get to a place where you say, I am surrendered enough. 
And that's the greatest mistake that you can make, to say, I'm surrendered enough. Sometimes we think we are surrendered at the right level because we are comparing ourselves to the person standing next to us. We often compare ourselves to those who don't even serve God. Don't ever get to the place where you say, I'm surrendered enough. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's a next level for you. Sometimes people think they are surrendered because they are committed to a specific task of doing something. And you are more surrendered to the task, to the feeling. Because people need you, you think you are surrendered. You are surrendered to the task, not surrendered to God. Turn to the person next to you and say, be surrendered to God. I want to say this message this morning is for believers, is for Christians. Amen? Are you there? Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of God. We see a man here, a prophet, given an assignment to go and prophesy against the city because of their wickedness. God has called him to go and prophesy against the city and to tell them your city is going to burn. But when he gets this call, he gets scared. Has God ever told you to do something and it made you scared? Let me see your hand if I'm talking to the right people here. God will sometimes tell you to do something. Jonah decides to do exactly the opposite. And he runs away. He does not surrender his life to God. Family, listen to me. Christians, if you say that you're a Christian and you want to live for God, even if you are running away from what God told you to do, you're still going to surrender your life. Jonah didn't want to take the easy route and surrender his life to God. So he had to surrender his life in the belly of the whale. Turn to the person next to you say, whether you like it or not, you have to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Family, you can choose the easy way of taking your life and laying it down on the altar, or you can take the Jonah way and end up in the belly of a whale. Have some of you been experiencing some moments in the belly of a whale? Matthew 21, Jesus said, these are your options. You can either come and lay down your life on the rock and be broken, allow the beautiful fragrance and the gifts that God has placed on the inside to come out, or the rock will come and fall down on you and grind you to powder. Not one amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, surrender your life to God. When you run away from the call of God, you will end up in the belly of a whale.
That's the promise of God. He's going to do what he wants to do in your life. When you look at the story of Jonah, there's three people mentioned here. There's God, there's Jonah, and there's the king that is mentioned. Jonah runs away. Doesn't make a decision immediately to obey and surrender to God's will. But eventually he goes to Nineveh and he tells them this is what's going to happen. And when the king hears the message, the Bible teaches us he dropped his king's cloak. He didn't behave like a king and say, who do you think you are? How can you just come here and say these things? Don't you know we're a great city? The Bible says when he heard the message, he dropped his king's cloak called the whole city to fast, to turn from their wicked ways. And God changed his mind. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. And God has mercy Family, can you see Jonah was the prophet, but the king lived a more surrendered life than the prophet. The king heard the message once. Jonah had to hear the message twice before he bowed his knee. Turn to the person next to you and say, live a surrendered life. James 1 verse 21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This is exactly what the king did. He laid aside all the wickedness, the filthiness of his city, and he asked the people to do the same. And he received the word of God into his heart and it brought salvation to him and a whole city. It touched my heart when I looked at this and I saw the king, a young Christian, obeying the voice of God the first time. But Jonah didn't do it. The king being prepared to take off his king's robe. What are the things that you are wearing that everybody thinks is normal, that God might require of you to take off, to surrender to Him? Are you willing to lay aside those things that you wear so comfortably, that's so easy to put on? The king was living a more surrendered life than Jonah. So the first area in your life where you have to surrender, you have to surrender to God. Turn to the person next and ask them, have you surrendered to God? Family, you know what I've seen? It's sometimes the older Christians with the more experience that finds it more difficult to bow the knee and obey the voice of God than the young Christian that just yields to the Word of God. Because they come with their gifts, they come with their experiences, and that's oftentimes the very thing that hinders them to surrender to God.
the very gift that you have can become something that hinders you to surrender to God. Many times older Christians, they have the spirit of me instead of the spirit of we. All of us. It's about them, me, instead of everybody. It's one letter, the me, that needs to get turned upside down. We. Amen? It's not about me. It's us. The king hears the message and he surrenders. Jonah gets angry. Jonah 4 verse 1, he got angry with God. He said, I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to show mercy. I knew it. Sometimes when God shows mercy to a friend, to a Christian brother or sister, don't get angry. Be happy for them. Amen? Be happy that God has used you to turn a sinner back to God. Don't get upset and say, I knew you were going to do it. They deserved to burn. If there's people in your heart that you think deserve to burn, you need to surrender to God. Nobody deserves to go to hell. A surrendered life is a life that is happy when God shows mercy to your neighbor. If you feel unhappy, you have to surrender your life. Jesus said, not my will that none of you should burn like Jonah wanted it. He says, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Amen. Can we move on? Are you willing to surrender to the Word of God? Are you ready to make the Word of God the standard for your life? A surrendered life is what God requires of us. John chapter 8 verse 31 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in Him, If you abide in my Word, you are my disciples indeed. He spoke to the Jews that believed in Him. He wasn't talking to unbelievers. He was talking to believers. And he said, if my word abide in you. Family, you have to surrender to the word of God. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And it will rule your life. The Word of God has got sanctification power to sanctify you, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Slaves are not permanent members in a family, but sons are. God wants to take you from that position of being a slave to sin to become a son. You need the Word of God for that. You have to surrender to the Word of God. Jesus was saying, if my word abides in you, talking to you and me, he says, oftentimes there are things that we allow in our heart that we think upon more than the word of God. The cares of this world, the joys of this world, the pleasures of this world. 
worries of this world. Jesus was actually just saying, do you have room in your heart for my word? Turn to the person next to you and say, do you have room in your heart for God's word? If the word of God becomes an integral part of your life, by its very nature, it will change you. But sometimes our thoughts are so filled with other things. Who have you been thinking about 2020? What will it be like? Raise your hand. Who's been thinking about 2020? Who's been fighting some bad thoughts about 2020? Just be honest. Raise your hand. Anxiety grips our hearts and our minds. Usually when there's no room left, in general they say when there's no room left of any thoughts being able to fill your mind and it's occupied by all those things, anxiety grips your mind and your heart. When there's no room left, is there room left in your heart for the Word of God? If the Word, Jesus Christ, had to appear to you today for a visit, would there be room for Him in your heart? I mean, have you surrendered to the Word of God? Have you surrendered to the Word of God? If you are battling negative thoughts, if you are feeling down, I assure you, when you take this word and you start to spend time in the word, because when you meditate in the word of God, it's a visitation from Jesus. And Jesus is the gift with a lift. If you are worrying about the future, Anxiety is gripping your heart. As soon as you spend time with the Word, those anxieties will go. Somebody that is permanently worrying, permanently negative, permanently complaining, my first question would be, have you made room for Jesus in your heart? I mean, have you been spending time in the Word of God, surrendering to the Word of God? Turn to the person next to you and say, surrender to the Word of God. Family, do you know this is good news? Because the Word the Bible teaches us is near. It is in your mouth. You can start to declare it. You can start to say it. Jesus came to this earth so that we could see His glory. He's here to help you and to assist you. It's a message about grace. Do you want to get rid of some sin in your life? Allow some more grace in your life. Grace is a person and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. When you allow this word and you surrender to the word of God, when you make it an integral part of your life, you allow it to enter into your heart. By its very nature, it will change you and you'll find yourself 
acting with God, walking with God, planning with God. When the enemy says you're going under, you'll hear the word of God saying you're going to go over. When the enemy says you're the tail, you'll hear Jesus say, no, you're the head. But when you don't allow the word of God and surrender your life to the word of God, all different things can grip your heart. If you want the word of God to give you a breakthrough, if you want the word of God to deliver you, to sanctify you, to save you, are you ready to be ruled by the word of God? Are you ready to surrender to the word of God? Turn to the person next to you say, I know I'm going to finish strong. When I get home, I'm going to read some Bible. I'm going to make room for Jesus. Most of the challenges that people face today, if they have to be honest, is because they are not giving the Word of God or Jesus the rightful place in their hearts. When you give Jesus the rightful place in your heart, you're surrendering to the Word of God. And this word can never harm you, can never hurt you, but it will take you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Amen. You live a more surrendered life by surrendering your life more to the word of God. You create space for Jesus to come and visit with you and be with you. Amen. The final one. The final one. Can you surrender to the call of God? That thing that God has called you to do, can you surrender to that and be happy? When I'm talking about what God has called you to do, to achieve that calling, you're going to have to write some tests. Turn to the person next to you and say, no test, no promotion. Especially if you believe that God has called you to be a leader. As a leader, you're going to go through some tests, no test, no promotion. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm ready for the test. Tell them everyone has to go through tests. Everyone has to go through tests. Whether you're in the Old Testament, whether you're in the New Testament, whether you are living now, whether you lived 100 years ago, you're going to have to go through some tests. The wonderful thing about tests, tests create amazing opportunities when you are surrendering to God, surrendering to His Word. Then even if the test is a fiery furnace, you know you'll come out stronger. Amen. So there are different kinds of tests that you are going to write. Amen? Turn to the person that you say there's different kinds of tests. The first test you'll write is the test of compromise. Man always wants to bring the standard that God has set to a lower standard. A standard that is linked to heaven and bring it down to a standard that is linked to man's human understanding. That's in every area. Don't compromise. Men, in your marriage, don't lower the standard. Don't compromise. 
today, women write exactly the same test. Don't compromise. There's colleagues, there's friends at work that want to show you things on their phones that wants you to compromise. So now everybody is quiet. When you talk about porn, nobody says anything. They just look at you like this. But it's very real. Pornography is very real. You just have to drive from Pretoria to Johannesburg to Santon, and there's enough billboards that would want you to compromise on what you're looking at. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. I don't compromise. I don't even look upon a virgin. The next test that you will write is the test of ambition. The test of ambition. To put your trust more in God than in the opportunities that surround you. You're going to write that test. Paul says, all seek their own. Everybody is ambitious. He says, but Timothy, you will naturally care for your state. Test of ambition. People sometimes have selfish ambitions. Surrender it to God. God will help you. You'll write the test of things that seem impossible, the impossibilities. Moses wrote that test when he was leading God's people and suddenly he's facing the sea, the Red Sea. From behind, the Egyptians are coming. From the side, he is strapped in. The test of impossibilities. When you know from a natural point of view, there's no way to get out of the situation. But you're surrendering to the call of God and you say, I know someone is busy working out the answer for me. The test of impossibilities. You're going to write them. What do you say? What do you confess? What do you declare in that situation? Who of you have written a test like that recently? A test where things seemed impossible. When things seem impossible, God is the one to make it possible. In a time like that, when impossibilities are coming, are you falling apart in pieces? No. Let God's Word keep you together. The test of jealousy. What a problem do we have in the church because people are comparing themselves to others. Do you know what's the beautiful word for jealousy? Fairness. The test of fairness. It's not fair. Remember the story in the Bible of the landlord that appointed people to work in the vineyard? And he appointed people early in the day. He says, if you come work for a day, I'm going to pay you a day's wages. And then after two, three hours, he went and he saw some people standing around and he said, come and work. At midday, he did exactly the same. And when there was one hour left, he appointed some more people to help. And right at the end, when they had to get paid, the people that only worked for an hour, he gave them a full day's wages. And when the last people came, he gave them a full day's wages, and they got angry. So he says, what is this? You're an unfair man. They worked for an hour, and we labored the whole day in the sun, and we get the same. 
why is my brother getting it so easy and I have to work so hard and our reward is exactly the same? Turn to the person next to you and say, I've played in that movie. <laughs> tell them again, say, I've played in that movie. My friend, let me tell you something. God chooses grace rather than works so that no man should boast. If you've been working much harder, your character has been developing much better. And character is the thing that will take you to heaven. God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you come in at the last hour, be happy for those that God uses. And if he rewards them, the reward that is due to you, he will give it to you. Let me touch on something even more sensitive, talents. The Bible talks about a person with 10 talents, five talents, and one talent. The person with the one talent that wasn't faithful it got taken away from him and given to the person with the ten talents. How do you feel when you sit next to somebody that's more talented than you? Don't answer. God knows your heart. But you shouldn't be intimidated or feel bad. Because when we realize that it's not about me, but we, you know that that person's strength has become your strength. You know, when people come to me and they say, wow, pastor, your worship team, you guys can really worship and sing so nice. I say, thank you. And I think in my heart, you don't even know that I can't sing. <laughs> I don't feel jealous. I feel proud. Because their strength has become my strength. If a person has got one gift, one talent that's been given to them, use it to the best of your ability and give all of it to God. Surrender it to God. If you've got one, you should say thank you, Jesus, because you're only going to give account for one talent. But that person with a ten that's only using seven and he's impressing you, He's going to be in more trouble than you. Because God will say to him, what about the other three? Did I not give you ten? What have you done with it? Turn to the person next to you and say, surrender to the call of God. So you must get to a place where you can sit next to somebody and be okay that they have more talents than you. And your heart is at peace. Amen. That's a big test. The fairness test or the jealousy. Sometimes we want to sugarcoat some things in the church, you know. So it's not fair, but actually it's just jealousy. The moment you can allow yourself to walk out of that prison of jealousy, you'll see a lot of things unfold in your life you'll see your life will start to change. Don't compare yourself to others. Know what God has called you to do in the body of Christ, through the body of Christ, and you'll live a fulfilled life. These are the first three non-negotiables where you have to surrender. Next week, I'm going to get to the good stuff. Amen. Anybody can confess that they are a Christian. 
But are you prepared to surrender fully? And God looks at your heart. You can fool people. You can be a Christian outwardly. But are you a Christian in heart? I can be a pastor outwardly. Look like a pastor, talk like a pastor. But am I a pastor in heart? Have I surrendered fully to the calling of God? The purpose of God for my life? So let me close with this in conclusion. You have to surrender, number one, to God. Don't be a Jonah. If you say you believe, you have to surrender. You can decide to surrender willingly, or you can go the Jonah way and surrender in the belly of the whale. I think willingly is much easier. Amen. You have to surrender to the Word of God. Allowing the Word of God to become the standard in your life. Making room for the Word of God in your heart. If the Word of God had to visit you today, would there be room? Would there be time? Many times Jesus wants to spend time with you, but you don't have time, you don't have room in your heart for Him. And lastly, surrender to the call of God. Know his purpose and plan for your life and yield to that. Don't compare yourself to others. Don't look at a person with, that's maybe even more talented than you. He will have to give account for his talents. You give account for your talents. If God has given you 10 talents, you have to step up. You have no excuse. You might be minutes away from a Jonah moment if you don't make a decision to surrender very quickly to the will and the plans of God. I want to assure you, according to the Word of God, if you surrender to God, to His will, to His call, and the things I will discuss next week, you can have this confidence in your heart that you will finish strong. You're still going to write your tests. But God, by His grace, by the help of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you, will help you. You're not writing the test on your own. You have a helper, the friend in the Holy Spirit that will dispose of giants in your life, make your way straight, make it smooth. But you have to yield to Him. Listen to what He is saying. When He says, move forward, move forward. When He says, go left, go left. When he says go right, go right. Not always looking for an excuse to move in the opposite direction of what God has called you to do. See you Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website www.hoc.org.za Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.